Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of the After Sunday Discussion. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Cody Haggard, and joining me, as always, is the one, the only, he got game, Josh Fousey. I can't believe you just used that nickname. (laughs) Should we tell the story about he got game and why we call you Josh he got game, Fousey. It's really not a very long one. Yeah, you can go on and say because I can't remember it at this point. It's just blocked out of my memory. So Josh uh, got this nickname back when we were in high school. We were doing Were a, we in high school? Yeah, we were in high school. Man. And we were doing a talent show for our student ministry. And you were introduced in the talent show. No, 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 I'm sorry, not the talent show. We were doing quiz team. Quiz team. And our youth pastor was introducing everybody who was on the quiz team to the church. And it was one of those things where you, your name would be said, the youth pastor gave you some kind of nickname, you'd go up and the church would go, yeah, 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 well, yeah, okay. And so our youth pastor announces Josh, and he says, Josh, he got game, Fousey. And and it just kind of stuck because it just sounds so good. And I have never actually watched the movie He Got Game. I Neither believe it I. is a movie. Yes. So I don't I don't know if in the context of the film, if, Josh, you're, you're like the person in that movie or, or anything, because I haven't seen it. But at this point in time, I never really want to see it because it might tarnish... Might tarnish the history of that nickname. Yeah, yes. but but it has stuck, hasn't it, Josh? People people have known you as that for a little bit. It's kind of like an underground Josh Fousey nickname. How do you feel about that? It's like if if you refer to me as that, like we go back. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And you were part of the like the group of friends from church, like because nobody else knows me other than the church people. Which is fine. I prefer that. <laughs> yeah, so today we're having an after-Sunday discussion. It's kind of late on Sunday evening. The Super Bowl seems to be wrapping up. We have not watched much of the game. We turned it on around halftime. No, it was halftime. It was halftime, and Maroon 5 was playing, and I didn't really have much interest in watching Maroon 5. We actually had more of a discussion of trying to figure out whether or not it was Maroon 5, and then we found out it was, and... And at that point, the halftime show was over. But uh, we didn't watch much of the game. In fact, I wasn't even really all that excited about the Super Bowl this year. Uh, Probably the least excited I've been in a long time for the Super Bowl game. Because for one one of the reasons was that all of the speculation surrounding whether or not both of those teams deserved to be in there. And just, it's, it's the Patriots, they're in the Super Bowl again. We see it every every other year, every year. It's frequent. It seems to be happening um, with 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 a lot of frequency. And for me, I just I don't get as excited about the Super Bowl as I used to. Josh, what about you? How do you feel about the Super Bowl? I feel like we've discussed this before on this podcast. I don't care for it. I don't care for watching sports. Yeah, yeah, we have discussed that before. I I think part of uh what what I find funny about the Super Bowl is I'm curious that that ad time, that Super Bowl commercial hype that everyone used to get so excited about. I'm curious if it really matters anymore cuz I mentioned to you 
companies can put whatever they want on the internet, probably reach more people more frequently. And I'm curious if the Super Bowl ads are still really, really highly esteemed, if that block of time has not become as valuable. I know for me, I don't even, I, I used to think like, oh man, the, the commercials for the Super Bowl are pretty funny. Now I don't even really care. If there's something funny, it's going to make its way on the internet and it's going to find its way to to me somehow, some way. So what do you think, Josh? Do you think that that ad time is still really expensive? Oh, it's most definitely expensive. But the, I mean, the reality is, is that the ad goes out on live on the, like during the game and then automatically gets uploaded to YouTube. I mean, they drop they drop the Yang Game teaser, which for a movie that's coming out in April, you'd think they'd have a full trailer for the Super Bowl. Yeah, but, Avengers Endgame is what yes, Josh is talking yes. about there. The 31 second teaser. And it was uh, it was on Instagram and YouTube before the game even started. Well, you got to think even for as many people who watch the Super Bowl Internet's still going to reach way more people oh, yeah. than, than a Super Bowl ad. It just is. Yeah, and especially worldwide because most, no other country watches a Super Bowl other than the United States and maybe Canada. Yeah, which is is interesting because I was just mentioning to Josh before we started recording, I, I'm not a huge soccer fan. I like soccer. I played soccer when I was younger. I have a respect for the game. And I watched more of the World Cup than I did of the NFL playoffs this year, including the Super Bowl, which is kind of weird for me. Mm -hmm. But I was actually excited about the World Cup, even though the U.S. wasn't in there. It's one of those things, like, I just like admiring and watching the uh, the excitement of the fans and, and how... The sport just does something to to the countries who are competing at a high level. That's really cool to admire that. The Super Bowl just doesn't do the same thing. People don't get as excited. I mean, if your city's in the Super Bowl, I'm sure you're pumped. But there's just something special about the World Cup and how other Mm -hmm. countries view it. And as the U.S., I just wish we... I wish we could have a championship in there. (laughs) One of these... One of these decades. Yeah, but the reality is, is that soccer is not as popular as let's say football american football because soccer is true football (laughs) um as as american football or basketball or even baseball i i think that you more less more people are watching baseball on tv than soccer games yeah i think baseball is way more popular especially in the states I mean, soccer, I, I think that the major league soccer struggles to even stay alive. I don't think many people watch it or follow it. Oh, no, they have their fans. Yeah, they've but, got fans. But you can't compare MLS to, uh, like, the Premier League yeah. or any of the European leagues because they they're playing at a different level completely. Which is crazy because where where we live, soccer is something that is just embedded within our community, and it, people just mm-hmm. put their all into soccer and putting all their time into it. And it's interesting because when we get to the the highest competitive level of soccer, as Americans, we're not even close right. to where other countries are with our men. Women's different, mm-hmm. but with our men. 
just nowhere close to right. what's going on in Europe or South America. And the reality, though, is if women worldwide were, if soccer was more available worldwide to women to play, I think the United States wouldn't be the best. You don't think so? No. No. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was just, it was kind of funny to reflect on. I'd be like, man, I just wasn't ex- excited about the NFL playoffs this year. I wasn't as excited about the Super Bowl for the first time in, in a while. Like, most times I'll at least watch the games. This year I just didn't even really have much interest in watching. So Josh and I, we got together. We got ready to record this podcast. And before recording this podcast, we actually sat down together and we played a card game together yep. called Star Wars Destiny. Yes. And I'm sure you guys are thinking, man, these guys didn't watch the Super Bowl and they played a card game. What a bunch of nerds. And you are correct. But let me explain to you that it was a lot of fun. Josh, how did you how did you feel playing this, this game we were playing? Was it fun to go back and play a game we haven't played in a while? Yes. It was a lot of fun. But I was... I experienced the fact that I haven't played the game in a while and completely forgot just what some of the cards in the game do because I had you on the ropes and then I just completely disregarded the one upgrade you had on the Kylo Ren lightsaber and you beat me because of that. Yeah, I was able to sneak two victories in there, and it's they were not necessarily the prettiest of wins yeah. because I was not on top of my game. But it's it's a fun game for those of you who don't know what it is, which is probably most of you. It's a card game, kind of like a Magic the Gathering or a Pokemon or a Yu-Gi-Oh. It's a trading card game. You're making us look more and more like nerds. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, just so that you guys do know, this is not like we're not like avid collectors of this game. We at one point I thought I would be, and and I caught into it pretty heavy for about two months, and then real life hit, and it's just something that I kind of turned into a casual fan of. But you have cards, you make a deck, and uh, basically you pick two heroes to represent your team, and you battle each other. You each card. Um, either has an action which affects the player or it comes with a corresponding die and then you can use these dice to roll the dice and have certain effects on on your opponent and it's fun it's a good time game takes about half hour 45 minutes and and you either wrap it up or you decide to play another one we played two games we enjoyed it we had fun and uh news just coming in now the patriots were able to pull off the victory of the super bowl winning over the rams 13 to 3 congratulations new england patriots you guys won another super bowl that is very very awesome for you and your fans and uh to the la rams i think it's great that you guys were able to make it there uh turning your team around going from uh kind of a crummy team a couple years ago to being in the Super Bowl. That is pretty, pretty impressive. But uh, Josh, what do you think about, what do you think about just in in general, the the way in which we spend time together? Like you and I, we sat down, we played this, this card game. I know we've talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but there's just something really fun about whether it's a card game like we played or a board game or you know, poker or whatever. There's something that's just kind of fun, and it builds a, something fun in your friendship when you play a, play a game together. Uh, do you feel that? When have we ever played poker together? I was giving examples of what people might be able to relate to. Okay, because I'm like, I don't remember the last time I even played that. Um, but no, when it comes to – we live in a 
society now where if you're going to play a game with somebody, it's digital and you're not even in the same room. And we've talked about it before, but the great thing about board games is you're, you're normally sitting around a table and you're interacting face to face and it, it, it brings in new dynamics when it comes to gameplay because then you're, you're reading uh, body language, you're looking at actual cards or pieces or stuff and, and like if you make a mistake, like when we were playing Cody, just sitting there with his entire hand showing, <laughs> like that, that, that's all like dynamics that you don't get when you're playing a game digitally. Uh, but at the same time, like you're having fun, you're goofing off, you're joking around, you're laughing, you're watching people get frustrated. But I mean, it's all like it's I in a lot of things. I think low tech is better than high tech. And when it comes to games, I as I've gotten older, I have become more of a low tech gamer. When it comes more board games, more. Even, like, I have a book of, like, crosswords at my house and doing that instead of playing Words with Friends or whatever garbage is on the app store now. Yeah, I I like I like board games a lot. Uh, we I did invite our, my wife to come and play a game with us. She just wasn't feeling it tonight. But something that is nice is that camaraderie aspect. And something I find fascinating is I've heard a lot of stuff uh, from, from some social psychologists and, and some, some people who have kind of studied the human condition. And games in general are a very interesting thing because it's something that we as people have, have made up to kind of channel that inner aggression and that inner competitiveness that... Um, is almost similar to like our approach to how we go into uh, war, for example. And, and you know, obviously, games are less extreme, but competitive, competitive things like. Uh, sorry, guys, I just got distracted by my phone here. Um, competitive things like uh, like board games and sports and even video games. It's it's good that we have those as part of our lives rather than constantly just fighting each other because it's a way to channel that inner uh, competitive nature and, and just whether it's through strategy or actual physicality I know Josh you do CrossFit which is you know that has a competitive side to it and and I think I think competition as long as it's done with the the sense of of it's just it's mainly to I see it as to check your own prestige in a certain area, whether it's a a strategy-oriented game or a physical-oriented game. Um, it kind of shows you and reflects on you, okay, where, what type of person can you compete with? How competitive are you in this? And, and I find that to be a fascinating thing, whereas I find it a much better way of reflecting prowess than through something like war or or just total violence or street fights um but you you read anything about about the importance of games and competition in society or anything like that? i haven't really read too much into it i will say like not to be a crossfit nerd but the, like right now the the open is about to start um which if you know anything about crossfit the open is when crossfit proper if you want to call it the organization puts out workouts 
And if you sign up for the open, you're doing that workout each week. And then, like, you have a you have a judge there watching you do the workout. Okay, and you submit the video because you have to videotape it. You submit it to them. They judge it, and then they kind of rank you based on everybody else in the world. And you can kind of see where you are. Um, and they do workouts like every year. There's like a there are workouts that you know are going to be there. And they're very much to test and see where you are and what you need to work on. And, um, and it's just, it's, it's something nice because I think when you learn a lot about yourself when you do competitions, um, you know, you find out what your limits are. You find out, um, just like, where do you have to check yourself? Like how much ego do you actually have and how much talent do you actually have? And, how much of it is talk and how much of it's actual action and and that's one thing that like doing crossfit within the gym we have a board where we write all our results down mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's nice because you can sit like i can go as someone who's somewhat new to it go okay this is where i stand i know this this other person's not competing but it's like you can gauge okay do i need to work on this more or not um but that's crossfit when it comes to just like e-gaming or board games i mean it's it's fun because you it's you're taking your number one it it takes your focus off of just life for a little bit uh which allows your brain to kind of decompress but also puts your focus on a singular objective and um it just you, you, you have to learn how to make quick decisions when you play board games, when you're playing any game, really. How to react, how to make complex decisions in some cases very quickly. And it's something that you really don't... You don't get it in video games because video games is very much see, push a button, see, push a button. It's kind of, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think in some ways, though, what what attracts people to to video games is the the just instant ability to jump in and one thing i was thinking about is kind of talking about competition and kind of measuring where you're at compared to other people i think that's a reason why fortnite has become really popular if you're listening to this podcast and you have not ever heard of fortnite before um just to school you on it really quickly it's a video game that's very 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 popular with young people these days and i personally i don't play it it's not really my kind of thing but what's interesting about it is is what's the most popular way to play it is to take a hundred people and you go on this digital island right you have a hundred people all land on this island and you have a certain amount of time to try to be the last person left standing and you are given nothing but like a pickaxe when you land and you have to find all of your resources and your ways to survive and you're trying to be the last survivor out of a hundred people and I think that's why this 
this game has become so popular is because it's become a thing on the playground where people are talking about bragging rights, how many times they've finished number one or the highest rank that they've gotten. And it's one of those things where you can see quick progression, mm-hmm. right? You don't you don't have to spend that much time playing the game before someone else enters the game and they're worse than you because of just the massive amounts mm-hmm. of people who are playing. So you're getting this this satisfying uh, progression in a smaller amount of time than what it would take you to progress as even playing playing an instrument or playing a sport or like I think about being a former track athlete, right? Mm-hmm. Where if you really wanted to know how good you were, if you were winning all of your dual meets and you were doing well in a team versus team, you would know how good you are compared to maybe 10 other runners or mm-hmm. or 15 other runners. But where you really found out how good you were were at invitationals where you were stacked up against many 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 more competitors. And and so I look at I look at this Fortnite game as you're just thrown into these matches with a ton of competitors and there's this there's this addiction to getting better. Mm-hmm. There is something satisfying about it. Like I know for us as track runners, we were always wanting to have our personal bests. But even though your personal best was important, when you were running an individual heat, you wanted to win that race. You wanted to beat everyone you were running mm-hmm. against. Like, it was great to have a, a new PR, but if I got a new personal best, new personal record, and I still finished fourth in my race, that did not feel as good as actually winning that race. It's the mm-hmm. the the com- competition with other people and having vic- small victories, I think, are are just things we like to experience. We like to have as people and I think that that's why this whole Fortnite thing has gotten so popular because you can see that small progression with each with each match and so if you wonder why your junior hires or 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 high schoolers are playing this game all night it's because there is an addiction to the constant pursuit of getting better at something and you can do that much quicker with Fortnite than you can with 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 a sport or a, an instrument or other means of competition because uh, the pool of people who are competing is so big. Yeah, but then at the same time, like, you objectively have a, you are the best out of these hundred people. Exactly, yeah. And it's it's that 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 feeding of the ego where it's like, I, I can't be the worst person here. I can't be number two. I have to be number one. And it becomes this just obsession of... I'm going to be the best person on this server. And I'm going to spend all my time trying to keep that spot. But at the same time, too, it's just like... I, I find we're in this shift right now when it comes to Generation Z. Where... When you have Netflix coming out saying their biggest competitor is Fortnite... Because you have so many kids watching other people play Fortnite. And just the whole e-gaming realm. Where it's like, you're not watching people doing things in the physical realm. You're watching them do something in the digital realm. And they will analyze and they will nitpick and they will try to take notes. And it's it's one of those things where, where as like... You playing football, you probably watched film or you mm-hmm. watched 
NFL games or you yeah. watch college games, try to trying to learn from what they're doing there on the field. That's what these kids are doing with these video games. Yeah. And when you're at home and, and whether you're a parent or you're an adult who isn't of this age and you're wondering, like, how do kids have this fascination watching other people play video games? To me, it kind of comes to what we mentioned earlier about soccer. Most Americans don't enjoy watching soccer. And I think part of that is because most Americans, I would say... Not most, but a lot of Americans don't have as much experience playing the game. I think if you've played soccer and you watch soccer, it's really hard not to respect the talent of the professional game. And you watch it from that angle, just as you would watch football or basketball or baseball with that same thing. But I think as as Americans, we can relate with soccer a little bit more because it's something we watch and it's like, I don't get why people like this so much. Or golf, for example. Like, I don't get why people like watching golf. But when you play it and you experience it and you know what it takes to be good, you're interested in watching it in order to be, mm-hmm. be well, respect great talent and then learn how maybe possibly you could get better. And so I think that's why these kids are, they're watching Fortnite because they're watching the people who are the best, like you mentioned, Josh, so that they could get better, so that they can see what the best is doing because it is this constant desire for being the best and it's funny that that is happening with this video game because we're coming out of a time where we're and i don't know if they're still doing it but participation trophies were the big thing right there there was a trophy for everyone everyone was a quote-unquote winner and now you have the most popular thing in the world right now fortnite one of those things where it's like, no, no, man. Like, if you didn't, if you weren't the last one standing, you weren't a winner. You were pretty good, but you still haven't won. You need to get that win under your belt, and that's what that's what kids are striving for, right? Being being that number one. And I think, in some ways, I actually like that shift in mentality. But uh, I think there is a balance between being aggressive and wanting to be number one, and understanding that sometimes you just can't always be the best. Um, but I, it's interesting that one of the most, uh, I guess, biggest games right now is something that I would consider to be highly competitive. Mm-hmm. At least kids are desiring to be the best. I know a lot of people are talking kids are playing this because it's more about spending time with their friends. But I do think there's a legitimate desire for every kid playing this game to win. Oh, yeah. It's probably the biggest driving force. But at the same time, like... There was a study that was done. I can't remember what it was. I was just trying to look it up. Um, where they they polled Generation Z. And they asked how how many, like, what were their plans for their future? And I wanted, it, was a, it was a significant amount of ki- people, kids, said that their plans were to become famous on Instagram, Twitch, which is the video game streaming service. Um youtube and facebook and that's how they're going to make their money when they grow up and we would there are some people who have done that mm-hmm. and they've monetized it but like i know a guy who is older than we are who is hoping on getting on that bandwagon and it's like dude like is that a realistic thing and i and and the reason i bring that up is like Cody and I listened to another podcast 
and the one person that one guest was speaking and he was talking about how there's been this shift from and try and and change in how I don't know how best way to put it not how society works but it's like it's not about who's the strongest or the smartest it's maybe you can help me figure this remember this exactly i i'm trying to remember exactly how he said it yeah i can't i can't recall the pretty much pretty much it was what was what has been historically normal is becoming considered more abnormal and what's becoming abnormal is becoming being considered more normal right the changing of the rules is a big thing right that that's happening and you see that with the just the social movements. What is, I mean, even looking at what does a family look like? What does a relationship mm-hmm. look like? What does a person look like? What's right. a human being? Right. It's it's all changing. It's all shifting. Right. Um, and when you when you look at teen culture now, it's no longer who's the who's the most athletic, who's the smartest, who's the most popular, whatever. It's the who's the best at Fortnite. Yeah. Who has the most Instagram followers? Who gets the most Facebook likes? Yeah. Who has the the most the most lit Snapchat? <laughs> and and I don't know if it's because we're a little bit older than they are, and we didn't have that, because this all came out while we were in college, really. And like, I feel like I'm disconnected, but at the same time, I just it's it's scary because if you are a parent and you have a child on social media, you got to police that like no other. Yeah, personally, I don't suggest, and this goes, this comes from a lot of resources. Um, I, I, there's a book out there by uh, um, um, the guy who does the five love languages. I am blanking on his name right Gary, now. No, Gary Chapman. Chapman yeah. Yes, Gary Chapman, and it's called Growing Up Social. He writes it with uh, sociologists, and it talks about how social media, how uh, personalized electronics are having impacts on culture and something you f- will find in there is that it is suggested to take social media and try and put that off as long as you can in your kids development and high school is probably the earliest that you should visit that option because I think about it y- y- we didn't grow up with it Josh we didn't mm-hmm. get we didn't get Facebook until we were juniors and high- I was a junior you were a sophomore but and- I didn't get it until no, Facebook I signed up when I was a sophomore, but Twitter I don't I was in college, right? You yeah. forced me to do that. Yeah, Twitter was one of those things where I didn't get until I was in college as well, and I found it to be a very fascinating way of getting information and just like tweeting back in 2009 was totally different than what it is now, but I I found it to be a fascinating source. I found it to be something that was really cool. Uh now I hardly ever check it, but um, we survived just fine. We, I know I dabbled with MySpace and stuff like that in junior high, but that was more, that was just more kind of silly than anything. And yeah, we didn't grow up with it. And, and there is some stuff that's being talked about how junior high, fifth, sixth grade, especially being exposed to these things, their, their brains their social development they're just not ready to handle it there is just a sense of i think just the lack of objectivity that young people has makes it really tough and then 
you know, it's just, it'll mess with their emotions. I mean, think about, think about how it affects, like, young girls, for example. Just, you have social, you have, I'm not social, but self-esteem issues already, and then when you're going through your Instagram feed, and you're like, oh my gosh, all my friends are more beautiful than me, and it's just like, this is a recipe for disaster, if you ask me. But, yeah, I would say if you're a parent, you've got kids, put off that social media as long as you possibly can, well, the other reason why I bring that up is uh, just the privacy aspect of it. Did you yeah. see? Did you see the news th- this past week with the the Zuckerberg company, Facebook, and about their... it getting hacked? No, or you could spy on someone with uh, FaceTime or something like that. That was mm, that was FaceTime. It, so that was Apple, not Facebook. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um. No, they they just found they just got caught. They they've been paying teenagers. For complete access to their devices. Interesting. Oh yeah, it's a big like. There's apparently a congressional hearing next week and a couple investigations and possibly lawsuits. Where there were apparently they were paying kids twenty twenty five dollars a month, and if they had the app on their phone, they would. The Facebook had access to everything, all the data on it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's just in so many ways wrong. <laughs> but the other the other reason I, I bring it up is like if if you have any information on a social media platform that is public. Okay, so most of the time it's your name, your bio, sometimes your date of birth, occasionally like depending on what your privacy settings are. That's all searchable on the internet. Oh yeah. And if you know where to go, it's scary. Mm-hmm. Um because, like, so I've, I've had experience with, um, it was in an internship, and it was, it had something to do with law enforcement, and we were trying to find somebody. And, like, they had these free open source websites that you go to, type in the web address, literally, you just put in a name. You don't have to put anything else, just a name. And you get all the open source internet search results for these people. You click on that name, it showed you their name, their birthday, phone number, address, who they were associated with, usernames and emails. And anybody can use this site. And um and and we were looking for one person and we looked her up and we saw she was associated to one per- to one person who ended up being her daughter. And her daughter's Twitter account was public. Everything else was private. So started. We literally went through her entire Twitter account, which was one of the most profane things I've ever read. <laughs> and we, we we came up empty, and then we looked her daughter up in the search engine, and we found her ex boyfriend. And so we went through his feed, and here it was also public. He had geotagged a trip. To a city in a different country, saying that he was going to visit his girlfriend's mother-in-law, and this was at a time when they were dating, or his girlfriend's mother, and like automatically, it's like, well, we have another city that she might be in. Wow! So then we called the people that we knew who knew them, that city's authorities, and long story short, six months later, they went and picked her up. Wow, the power of social media is 
And that's that the thing. It's like, it's like you have people who will post, like, I'm leaving my house today, and I'm flying to Baltimore or wherever. Mm-hmm. And you're going, okay, well, that means you're not home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you don't have your privacy setting up right, I mean, anybody can see that information. Yeah, and then you end up getting robbed. That's That's been happening for a while. But, you know, it's funny to me, Josh, that you mention – you mentioned earlier about how kids think they're going to end up being a famous social media star. And I've thought about this a little bit because we've talked about this a little more. Do you think it's the same thing, the same concept as the the young kids going and thinking they're going to be a professional athlete? Like, I know that every everyone in junior high thought like, hey, yeah, I have a legitimate chance of going to a D1 college for for this sport and I've got a legitimate chance of being a professional athlete why couldn't I do it do you think it's that same mentality you watch someone all these hours and you look at it, you're like I I don't see why I couldn't do that and so they think that well that's that's what I'm gonna make my life about and we did it with sports I mean I did it with sports growing up uh, you put so much time into it because you think that there's a chance but then you come to realize it's you got to be extra, extra special, extra, extra talented to make it. Even the people who don't necessarily make it on talent but make it on effort are still probably significantly more talented than their peers in, in high school. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think I, when it comes to I, – I think it's very much the same thing. But with the internet. It may, it's so available and it's so unpredictable. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I've talked to a couple teens about this and very much the ones who believe this really do believe it. Like, I, like for me, I, I could be a lineman in the NFL. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> By the end of high school, I very much knew I could not. Okay, and and it, it like reality set in, but if you can, I mean, you get the, we got 181 RSS feed like feed subscribers like, okay, well, can we push that up to 200? Can we like what do, we, and and I don't know if it's because it's easier than all the other avenues, or at least it looks easier. That's why the appeal is there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very much, it's feeding into the whole get rich quick kind of scheme where you, you, it looks so easy on the viewer side that it's like, well, I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't need to be physically strong. It doesn't, I mean, you don't need a lot of money to do it. It's just putting yourself out there and then trying to see okay, can I get a foothold in something? But for the most part, you have to be either very niche to start out with, I feel like, or you have to just be lucky. Yeah, and I think there is definitely a tactful side to it. There is a strategy side to it. And I think people who go into it with some type of business-mindedness and some type of understanding of how people work and how to network and do things of that nature will be more successful than people who don't. But I I think, too, 
with the internet especially, it is, it's a digital space, but more than ever in becoming more and more, it's a real space. It's, it's kind of like everyone is getting their own piece of real estate on the internet. Not every, everybody, so to speak, but think of how many people have Facebook accounts. I think more people have Facebook accounts than cell phones. And how many people have Facebook accounts around the world? That's that's a piece of that internet real estate. Even though Facebook owns it, people are getting that uh, that claim on their space in the internet. And it's I think of the internet at this point, what it has become is like a new land of opportunity. For so long, right? It was it was America. People came to America because it was a land of opportunity. And now I think we see a flock of people who are just going to the internet as a possible land of opportunity because it can be a second source of income. For those who are really successful, it can be a primary source of income. It's a way in order to do the things you want and you love and to be able to share with people and it's really easy to get in mm-hmm. you, you know and cost of entry is not high exactly like you don't have to go on a boat or across the ocean or mm-hmm. get on a plane you don't have to pack up your bags it doesn't cost much to get going and with with some some effort and some dedication you can get stuff up and running and start doing stuff the question of being successful and being able to do it as a full-time job, I think, is a whole other story. The The success of that, I think, is really hard to tap into. Yeah, no, that's, that's so true. But it's becoming, like, we are, the internet has been augmented into so much now that, I mean... Amazon just dropped that Alexa ad for the Super Bowl, which I think is one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. I haven't seen that. What, oh, what's the gist of it? Pretty much it's like someone notices like Alexa in a microwave. Mm-hmm. And he makes a comment at Amazon. And the lady's just like, yeah, no, we're putting her in a lot of things. But we, we realized we can't put her in everything. And then it's like these examples of like failures and it's just it's funny because like they had um i want to say it was forrest whitaker it looked like him okay uh it might not have been him but then they had like harrison ford and they had um scott kelly the astronaut and it was just one of those funny like yeah no i can see like if that really happened that would be hilarious like (laughs) (laughs) and i think harrison ford made the entire commercial as precious as it was um but yeah no i it's becoming if you're gonna do anything you need an internet presence now yeah i mean we like talking about church culture um and just the church world like most people will go to your website before they go to your church oh yeah most and they will automatically make their decision about your church based on the website yeah and I mean, how, how often do we do that for other things? Like, you don't have... I've heard of people doing it about their dentists and their doctors. And mm-hmm. it's, yeah. I, if you don't jump on the bandwagon, you're going to left, but you're gonna be left behind. And that's the honest to goodness truth. Yeah. And the way I've heard it described, 
that just works so well is is Tom Rainer over on his uh, Tom Rainer on Leadership podcast has described social media and an internet presence as like the Roman roadway system. You don't have to use it to be successful or to get to where you want to go, but it's a whole lot easier to. And I think that's kind of the reality about the internet and and it's just changed it's changed our life so much so rapidly. Like I remember, I don't know if you always had internet growing up, Josh, but I remember when we got internet as a family. Dial up internet. I was I was nine years old. We were late to the party. Our family was late to the party when it came to internet and even having a desktop computer at home. We didn't have a desktop computer for a long time because there wasn't just a need for it. And and now, you know, imagine a house without internet. Imagine a house without a tablet or a smartphone or something in it. And you're thinking like, man, this person's living way behind the times. And it just it happens so rapidly. We're talking in a in a matter of twenty years, the world has advanced so much. It's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, how many times you go to a restaurant and you try to hook up to the Wi-Fi, or like a store? Like internet is literally everywhere. Oh yeah, and I feel. <sighs> It's funny because, like, we've had these discussions where it's like our parents' generation might not be as – there are certain people there where they're not as quick to jump onto the computer and stuff like that. But at the same time, like, Facebook doesn't have people from Gen Z on it. Right. They have our parents on it. Yeah. Instagram has us on it for the most part. Mm -hmm. And Snapchat has – Everybody younger than us. Yeah, Snapchat's a joke. I'm sorry if you're a Snapchatter. That social media outlet does not make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to take a picture of your pinky finger and send a long text message using way more data than you have to to have a text message conversation when you can just text message. Yeah, but Snapchat was made for a very set thing yeah we know what that's all about yeah we know what that's all about and most kids don't know that yeah or at least they're acting ignorant to it yeah they probably don't i mean at this point you can't really you can't really market it as that because it's become so big Mm -hmm. but it's it's one of those things where it's funny because most most of it is just being used as a conversation between friends, and they're taking pictures of things like I don't want pictures. I don't want pictures of your your white wall on my phone, just to hear like, hey, what's up? I yeah. I don't care about that. If you want to say hey, what's up, send me a text message or or give me a call. I don't necessarily need a picture of your of your crown molding <laughs> at home. You know, I I don't really yeah. I've. You could tell me you've got nice crown molding, but I don't really care to have a million pictures. Don't of get it. me started on the filters. The filters drive me insane, cause I I like uh, I like photography, and mm-hmm. I when I see profile pictures and like if he ever hears this, his wife is gonna be so mad. But I had a I have a cousin who his his save the dates. Was it the save the date? It was either the save the dates or the actual invite for his wedding was him and his fiance with face with Snapchat filters on their faces. 
Wow. And I was like, like everybody in our now family. are you talking about like you're talking about filters when i think of filters i think of like an instagram filter is this different oh yes here i'll show you the are you talking about like the like it goes over their face where they put like has... the dogs on their face mm-hmm. and stuff yeah i'm just not into that oh i was i saw it and i was just like for a save the date or whatever it was i was just like this is not what you use well snapchat and instagram both they both have those filters on them that make people's faces look like they're not humans right because they're they soften tones yeah it covers up all your complexion and all of your your flaws which mm -hmm. i understand you know you don't want to put you don't want to post a picture on the internet about any type of flaw right because we're all perfect people and that's got to be what's on the internet but But the reality makes you look like, like less than human it's like those it's those imperfections that actually make your face look like your face. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like we've gotten to the point where everybody's face kind of looks all the same. Yeah, at least through filters. Right. And and that's funny that that we mentioned this because I was thinking about this earlier in the week about think about how vain our society is compared to like 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like we will seriously take a picture of ourselves and look at it through multiple different lenses, multiple different filters before we decide whether or not it's worth posting on the internet. Whereas uh, you go back 100 years in time and if you were to give someone a photograph of themselves, they would be like, cool. oh my gosh, that is so cool. You just yeah. you just took a picture with that camera and developed it and it, mm-hmm. that's so cool. They didn't care if they looked like a... You know, like they were a deer in the headlights, like most people did from a hundred year old photos or not. It was like, man, that's just so cool to be able to have a picture of myself. And now, you know, we're just so vain as a society, I think, because we spend so much time looking at ourselves, and I don't even think that we realize it. I'm not a selfie kind of guy. Are you? You're not really a selfie kind of guy. It is hard to find a picture of me. Yeah, I don't. I just don't really like taking selfies. I think that I've hit like the selfie cam button on my phone, maybe twenty times in the last two years. I just don't. Do you get surprised every time the front-facing camera hits your face? <laughs> no, because I just never. I just never turn it on. I. I just. I'm not much into that. And like my wife and I, we'll take pictures together if we are somewhere where we want to look back and mm-hmm. remember where we're at. But I think that's more normal. Yeah. You know, we're not go- we're not like, oh man, oh let's try another one. Uh, another thing that really impresses me too, like, are those parents who are constantly posting on Instagram and Facebook throughout the day while taking care of their children. I have no idea how you do it. I can't. Like, if I try and take a picture of my kids, it is, it that's hard enough in and of itself. And then getting the perfect post for Instagram and Facebook, I don't know. I mean, it's just a talent I do not have. And my family asked me all the time, like, why don't you put pictures online? And I was like, you tried taking pictures of my kids and putting them online. <laughs> it's well, not favorite, that easy. My favorite is just watching my, like, some of the people from our parents' generation try to use the internet, and it's primarily Facebook, because it's, it's just, or even their parents' generation, like, my grandmother's generation, because they're having these conversations in the comments. <laughs> my favorite is bad grammar on the internet. Oh, I love I love bad grammar on the internet because you know it's 
it's hilarious with how much we actually use written communication via social media and other things. We're just not, we've gotten worse at it, mm -hmm. which is hilarious because it's used way more, but just grammar on the internet is just so bad. It's terrible. It is really, really bad. And I'm kind of sensitive to this because I have written many, 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 many papers in my life where grammar matters. And I'm not a, I am not a grammar elitist. I'm not okay. all that great when it comes to grammar, but I can at least write a basic sentence and a basic complex sentence. And like, I'm the kind of guy who I will use punctuation on online Same. and stuff like that. Because it makes sense, right? I want people to understand what I'm saying. And man, dude, the grammar on online is so bad. And text message grammar is pretty bad too. But for the most part, I talk to uh, people I would I would consider to have mostly good text message grammar. Yeah. No, I, I I don't use abbreviations. And when I'm talking to somebody and they are using like abbreviate, I'm literally on like the internet looking them up, like. <laughs> Like, I didn't know what SMH meant for, like, the longest time. <laughs> it's funny, too, because I don't know if you get like this, but when you don't know, when you don't know an abbreviation or, some, or something, I know for me, for the longest time, I used to just automatically assume it was vulgar, and then... And then I would see someone use it who's not vulgar at all, and that's what would get me to, to look it up and be like, wait a minute, that person just used that? That cannot mean what, what I think it means. Well, the best part is like when it's like the two-letter abbreviations and you have no idea what it actually means. Yeah, that's right. There's a decent amount of two-letter words. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, um, I, work, I work in an industry where it's all abbreviations. <laughs> it's like... Uh, so like I will use abbreviations in my actual speech sometimes, mm -hmm. and I have to actually like force myself sometimes, like especially at work, to actually like sound out what it actually means because it's so easy to just say like, well, if you go to Cognos and they're like, what is Cognos like? Yeah, and you're like, no, that's not what. Okay, when you go to this program right here. And they're like, oh, okay. Or like, and you're like, oh my goodness, this is, this is terrible. I, yes. Yeah, I know where you work. I basically only know where you work by its abbreviation. And <laughs> if I were to try and guess what it is, I would probably be making up at least one of the letters. Um, yes, you would. <laughs> yes, you would. <laughs> But I know that uh, there's a lot of abbreviations in, in government yeah. jobs. But, yeah, it's just so funny to me, like, how we have become such a Internet-centric society, but w with the amount of written communication that goes on the Internet. And it's, we're still not very good at it. It's hilarious to me. It's like an oxymoron. But, anyway, those are my thoughts. I, w I was one of those people. I had a great English teacher in high school who just made us all super sensitive to bad grammar. And I think it's just kind of stuck with me Same. ever, ever yeah. since then, which I thank you. I thank my teacher for that. I'm, <laughs> I'm grateful that when I got to college, I was able to hammer out papers because I knew how to write. And there were some kids in college who were homeschooled, who didn't have as difficult of grading on their writing. And they, they didn't know how to write a paper. And that was, 
that was tough to watch. Oh, okay. So this is a story. You want to talk about bad grammar? All right. We had I was it was in college, and we had the prof we had a professor who he taught undergrad, which was what I was going through, and he also taught like the the graduate program, and he taught masters and doctoral students. Um, and I just remember me and my buddy went over to his office hours, and this guy in a previous life was a CFO accountant like accounting and stuff like that that he taught the accounting and finances classes at the university i went to or at least some of them and he had this we walk in and he was just like red beat red mad it's like oh my goodness like what's going on he goes and he hands us this paper he goes can you read this <laughs> it was a graduate level paper and this person had read it, wrote it out as if, she, as if she had sent, as if she was sending out text messages. And it was just, oh why, at like, and like, like you're looking at all these abbreviations, and she even had emojis in it. Emojis, <laughs> that is next level. Wow. And we're looking at this, and we're going, what in the world? This person made it through their entire undergrad, which I guarantee you they had to write a paper at least once. Absolutely. <laughs> and now she's in the first class of her master's program, and she's going to fail it because the professor can't read it. That's so crazy. And the reality is, is that the reality is is that writing and reading nowadays. I don't believe they're they are stressed in school. But I mean you've seen it at youth group. Kids can't read. Yeah. And it, the thing about it is I don't I, their students are stressed, but I think what's stressing out the average high school junior high student is not stuff to do with school. School is basically an obstacle in their life to try and figure out all the social and emotional complexities that are going on as a junior higher or a high schooler. But I, I think, yes, school's stressful, and I feel like, from what I hear, there's more homework now than there used to be. But maybe that's just because kids have gotten less efficient at doing it i don't know i i'm not gonna read into that or or anything well, a lot but. of it's online now especially when you get into high school and my memory of online homework was always multiple choice click the button and just go yeah i didn't have any online homework in high school we only had like the online grade book okay but yeah, even now taking online classes, online seminary, it's it's a different learning experience and something that personally I don't think is really geared towards a high schooler because I think to be effective in an online learning environment, you have to care about what you're studying. If you don't care about what you're studying, you're going to cheat. You're not going to put the time in. You're going to take every shortcut possible because there's little to no accountability online. So if you're not doing it with the heart of like I want to do this you're not going to get much out of it and I think online education is is just geared more towards a mature adult who wants to learn I could be wrong in that I, I see how it's very efficient 
but there's got to be a lot of accountability for a high schooler to be I think learning you online. Hit the nail on the head though for this conversation is that when you look at online, there's not much accountability. Like going back to our original topic of board games. Okay? When you're around a table with somebody, you're held accountable because if you cheat, they know. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't if you if you mess up, like for example, you go out of turn or you 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 do something and you you automatically regret it. There's no undo, there's no try to hide it. And when you go to like e-gaming, if you're bad, you just die and you, right. you respawn. Okay. And that's where Fortnite becomes very popular because there is no respawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go into the whole, just the reality of when you're on the internet, you can, you, and you see this all the time. People take on a different persona a lot of times. Oh, yeah. You, I, I have seen things where knowing the person, you know they would never say that, say what they say on social media in a face-to-face conversation. Mm-hmm. And because some of the things that they say, you'd either get slapped in the face or kicked in the groin. Yeah. <laughs> if it was a face-to-face. But they say it on the internet and... Yeah, they might get shade thrown at them on the internet, but they don't have to read any of that. It's true. That's true. You do not have to read anything that anybody says. That's, I don't think I don't think most people on the planet have that much willpower, but it is possible. Yeah, but there, then again, it comes to the vanity thing. It's like yeah. people are talking about me. I gotta see what they're saying. I gotta know. Right. But then you go to like you go to like school going more online. I will admit it, like, and the professors all knew we were doing this. They'd assign a, a test or a quiz online on Blackboard, and they'd give you three attempts to take it. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, like, these weren't actual exams. Like, these were, like, the like, weekly quizzes we had yeah. to take. And the, we'd have, like, four of us around a table. Okay, you take this. Because it showed you, were, like, which questions you got wrong and which ones you got right. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, that's the right answer for this. Write it down. <laughs> right answer for this question. Write it down. And and each of us would go, we'd each get essentially eight attempts, figured out exactly all the all the possible answers in the test bank, and then just take our last attempt with all the answers. Jeez. Well, I mean, that's very smart. And I don't necessarily think online classrooms things like that that everybody's cheating but at the same time it's really easy to and it's really easy the temptation is there to not really learn and just get by and get the grades you need to pass because you can easily track that and i just don't know i don't know if a high schooler especially a junior higher is mature enough to avoid the temptation to cheat. I just right. don't think so. Yeah, and when we were in high school, I we we knew a lot of people who would find very interesting ways of cheating. Yeah. Um and that was low tech. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, even in high school, I tried to be as honest of a student as I possibly could, but when the smartest person in class is sitting next to you during a test 
in a multiple choice and you are just stuck, it's like your your neck, like you lose your mind loses <laughs> control of your body and your neck just begins to turn and look at that paper, see if you could just catch a glimpse and I you want to hear you want part hear, of our human nature, I think is part of the sin nature coming out. You want to hear one of the most I thought was ingenious at the time ways of cheating in high school. So our high school had these really dark colored desktops, like actual desks. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was like this really dark brown. And I just remember I, it was, it was a foreign language department. So you like it, you didn't know, like it, Spanish wasn't always in the same room for each class period. So, and French could be in the room, could have been in that room beforehand. Right. And I just remember, I, I got into my Spanish class. I sat down at the desk. And I noticed there was, like, shiny lines on the desktop. Oh, yeah. Carpeted into the desk? No. Pencil. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. And what it looked like was someone wrote out all the words on a French test in pencil on the desk. And literally, you just... You just move your head a little bit and you'd read you'd be able to see full words. And they were like numbered. And I'm going, Oh my goodness. I didn't touch it. I didn't I didn't know yeah. it. But like I'm I'm going, someone probably wrote out all the answers to a because qu- you had vocab quizzes. Yeah. Here's the answers to the vocab quiz, and their buddy sits in this desk the next class period. And he's gonna sit there and know that the answers are all written down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's the temptation is there. I think it's gonna. It's just with online and the lack of accountability, it'll happen more. But with tax season being coming up, guys, just a reminder: don't cheat on those guys. It can really come back to haunt you. Yes, cheating on yes, those really bad. No, you want to talk about online social media and accountability? Did you hear about that fire music festival a couple years ago? No. The one where the people flew down to the Bahamas and ended up getting stuck? No. Oh! So they Netflix just dropped a documentary about it. Okay. And it's called Fire, the Greatest Party Never Held. <laughs> and here, this guy used social media to advertise this music festival and like supposedly it was on pablo escobar's island in the bahamas and the tickets were like four at least four thousand dollars that was the cheapest tickets and you were you were supposed to stay in like this nice little beach villa okay on this island and like and people were putting eight ten thousand dollars on the tickets and then like eight ten thousand dollars on these like RFID wristbands that you were supposed to use for like all your food and all like your experiences and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and they did like these promos. They got the world's best like Instagram models to go down there and film these videos that looked amazing, and like they got like Blink One Eighty Two and a lot of other big bands to sign up for it. And long story short. Day one of the concert series of the festival, everybody flew down. All the bands pulled out. They had hurricane shelter tents that weren't watertight and it had rained the night before, so everything was soaked. There wasn't enough, there was no water, there was no food. 
there were no toilets. Whoa. And then, and, and, and social, like, the people down there were posting the social media. So you were, fi- like, people, the world was finding out about this huge sham. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, the people were experiencing it. And, like, the story just gets weirder and weirder as it goes through. And, like, then you find out, like, the amount of fraud that was involved with all of it. Yeah. And I was just like, like, you want to talk about, like, a piece that just is scalding on social media. It's like the, here's one person who created a company, got these people who knew how social media works, mm-hmm. scammed investors out of hundreds of millions of dollars. And his repercussions was only like, I think he only got six years in prison. Wow. I'm sure that guy will eventually be some type of government employee who who helps like find scam artists or something like probably that. Probably not. Probably not. But anyway, that guy is smart enough to have it's have it's, some value. It's it's an it's a documentary that I put those powers to good. Something I was it gets more ridiculous as the story progresses and you're like, "What in the It's a it's and then the other thing is, it's a segment of culture that I am completely removed from, and I do not follow whatsoever. Yeah, and like I'm sitting there going, "Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> like people are really like this? Like that's crazy." Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. I know we're over an hour here, so we should probably get wrapping up. But before we wrap up, any final thoughts before we close out? Could be a random thought, Josh. He is shaking his head. No, no, no. No. Uh, final thought here is this week I'm going to try and make it a point to go out and see the movie They Shall Not Grow Old before Ooh, it leaves theaters. I'm interested in that, actually. It looks fascinating for people who haven't heard of it. It is a documentary on World War One and what they did to tell the story of things going on in World War One. They restored a bunch of photography. They added full color to it. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to see the 3D version of it because I've just heard it is phenomenal. Um, it's and, James Cameron, isn't it? No, it's I'm... Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson, Mr. Lord is of the it? Rings himself. Yes. Yeah, directed and produced okay. by Peter Jackson. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. It looks fantastic. I've heard nothing but good things. And I think that this type of this type of thing, I was just talking to uh, my stepdad earlier today, that this is the type of stuff that excites me in film. When people are doing something unique and creative, because I told him, I was like, I've seen things explode and die in just about every way possible at this point it's only going it's only going to get but that's all fake that's all fake right it's only going to get fancier as time goes by but still it's really cool when people are doing creative things with film and telling these 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 stories of history that we're in a time where i would not be surprised if the average person just couldn't tell you much about world war one and and I'm looking forward to to taking some time and going. Yeah, because we just that. went, we just celebrated the hundred year anniversary of it. Yeah, yeah, just a couple months ago. Yeah, which is just crazy to think about. Yeah, 
Yeah, crazy to think about. Yeah, as I was reading the promotion for the film, they were talking about restored photos in in film from over a hundred years ago. I'm thinking, wow, that is crazy. There, some stuff early in the wars, over a hundred mm-hmm. years old, and and I'm just really looking forward to seeing it. I think it's gonna be. It's one of those things where, if the 3D is as good as all the reviewers have said it is, it's one of those things you can you can only experience in theaters. And so I would really like to take the opportunity. I'm gonna take my stepdad, and okay. we're gonna go and see. Ooh, it's fun. gonna be a good time. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. 3D gives me a headache, so I might just wait for it to drop on. Yeah. Netflix well, I imagine it's gonna be a little bit slower pace. Maybe wouldn't bother you as much because it's just restored footage. When is it leaving theaters again? I don't know. Okay. I saw I checked I checked uh today and the uh there were no weekend show times posted for next weekend, but it's still Sunday. They might right. post those tomorrow. Okay. But yeah, gonna take an opportunity to see that and I will I will come back next week with a review of it, hopefully, unless something crazy happens and I can't make it, but I'm sure I'm gonna like it. Okay. Sounds like a plan. But anyway, thank you all for checking out the After Sunday discussion. This is one of two podcasts that we do at the E43 Collective. And if you would like to check out our website, we are at e43collective.com. Again, that's e43collective.com. You can help us out a lot by checking it out and subscribing. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. That is iTunes. And I am going to work on getting us up on Google Play this week and try and make that happen as soon as possible. You can subscribe to our RSS feed that can be found at the bottom of the website page. And we just want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the After Sunday discussion. We are excited. We're going to have a super duper extra special episode next time, episode 007 of the After Sunday discussion. That's the only teaser I'm going to give of that. But with that, I'm Cody Haggard and Josh Fauzi. We're signing out. We will see you guys next week. Have a blessed week and a wonderful day. Bye-bye.